Welcome to the Swim Swam podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Today, I'm joined by Sydney Pickram. Sydney, how are you doing today? I am very good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. discussing this it like I totally forgot today was a holiday and it seems like holidays are just kind of you know what do you even make of them in, in a time yeah. where it, it's not like that really changes what you're doing yeah it's like the sense of time has basically gone out the window since quarantine and like even I don't really know what day it is a lot of the time um but yeah even I remember at the beginning of quarantine I was like there's no way like my birthday is still gonna be in quarantine and my birthday was last week and I was like wow we are still in quarantine <laughs> but yeah I'm, I mean the days are pretty much whatever you make of them so holidays kind of seem a bit irrelevant right now <laughs> yeah, seriously uh so how did you spend a quarantine birthday uh, I actually was home with my mom for the first time in a long time. So she was super pumped. And so we just had dinner, spent the day at the beach, pretty, pretty chill day, but, and basically all I would ever want. Yeah. Yeah. So you were, you uh, told me you were in Florida for a while um, to, I, I would like to talk about that, but how is traveling right now? Did you drive there? Did you fly? Yeah. There? I drove. So I just okay. drove from Texas to Florida, which is about a 17 hour drive. And well, it's about depending where, but mine is like 15. And then okay. it took us like 17 on the way there, 16 on the way back. Cause I also have a puppy that joined along for the drive. So that's a couple extra stops, but he did pretty good. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah. How long were you in Florida? What'd you guys do there? Were you able to swim? Yeah, so we went for just about 10 days. So kind of A&M's pro group has quarantined together. We all live on the same street, which is super convenient. And um, a lot of us, just mostly international people, have all kind of stayed put. Um, and we try and do like our workouts together that we can and just quarantine as our quarantine group. And so a couple of us, we went and just went to go see my mom and went to have couple beach days, do some workouts at the beach, do some workouts at home. And then where my mom works, um, the pool that I actually started swimming in when I was six, uh, just opened back up. So we kind of made a trip of it to do some swimming there too. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so you were, were you raised in Florida? Yes. Yeah. So I lived in Florida and I actually swam with Randy Reese up until I went to school. At College Station. Yeah. Yeah. So I stayed with him from since I was 11 until I went to college. What was that like? <laughs> I think a lot of people, that's when I say I swam for Randy all my life, they go, oh. <laughs> and it's funny now I see Eddie all the time since being in Texas. And so he always, he's like, I know what you went through. And just because <laughs> Randy, <laughs> Randy's definitely tough, but um, I, I wouldn't have had it any other way. I'm still super close to them. Talk to him. I actually texted him this morning, um, but we have always been really close, had a great relationship. And I'm the kind of personality that jives well with someone that's pretty tough like that. And so 
um, it, it was really hard. Uh, some of the tests, some of the sets that I've done and like did then, I'm like, there's no way I could do them anymore. Um, I don't have that youth in me like I did with him, but uh, it, it was really good. I, I wouldn't change it. And he's the reason I went to A&M and um, kind of the reason I am the swimmer that I am now. So I, I loved it. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, everything I know about Randy Reese is like, is 100% like swimming lore, right? Like, yes. I don't know. I've never met him in person. I don't know anything about the way he actually coaches. So would you say um, his his training style was more, you know, uh, the, the sets were tough or his coaching was tough or both? Uh, probably both. Okay. Um, I think like what I've learned from going to college is Steve sets are more of however you make them, you make them as tough as you can, which, um, Randy's was, they were tough no matter what. A lot of it was kind of survival mode in a lot of things, just also, when you're young and you can kind of do more sets like that and just kind of grind, grind it out. Um, but also his coaching style was very tough. Um, he, <laughs> it's just, it's funny because I, I love that I had the time that I did with him. Cause now when I talk to coaches now that know him the similar way that you do, when I would talk to them, they're like, Oh, so, so you know how to work. <laughs> and, um, that's kind of the mentality that he's given me. And so I, I'm grateful for that. Uh, but yeah, he, he was definitely tough. I think it was kind of like you deal with me and deal with this attitude or you don't swim here. And he's like, you, you do what you want to do. And I was the kind of person that I knew he was tough, but it was because of how much he cared. And I've really never met a coach that cares as much as he does about his swimmers in that way. And when I've had like different spells, even in college, even in college, Steve would be like, guess who called me this week? And I was like, oh, no. And um, so even, I mean, I, I've been gone for five years, and he still will call uh, Steve pretty regularly, and he'll touch base with me. And when I go through things, I always call him. And so um, I, I'm super grateful for the tough personality that he has. That, that's really cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, like I've certainly never heard about that side of him, you know, yeah. again, you know, I, I don't, I don't know him. Um, where, so are there like, um, is there a set that stands out to you? Um, so there was one time where, uh, it was like right after a competition meet or something. And he was like, okay, doubles are optional this week. It was like the first week or second week back. And at the time we used to have four forty-five AM practices and so at that point, it, we, we all knew full well that that was the practice he was talking about doubles. And I used to have doubles on Saturday, so Saturday afternoon practice. And, like, we knew full well that Saturday afternoon was not optional. And all of us were like, but he said. And so uh, it was 18 of us were like, if we band together, what's going to happen? And so – we stuck together and we all went to the beach that day and we got back on that Monday and he was like, so you all decided to skip my practice. And we were like, Oh no. (laughs) He was like 18 days, 18 of you skipped 18 days of hell. And we were like, Oh no. And I don't, I don't remember exactly what we did that day. I just remember he would be like, swim some butterfly. And we're like, how much? He's like, just keep going. And I was like, Oh no. (laughs) 
And then I just remember running around. We had a huge field on the outside of the long center and we all just had a med ball like above our head. And he was like, just run. <laughs> just like, just like brutal. And it was so our fault. Like it was so hundred percent our fault. And I, my, I had a roommate at the time. She was living with me to train with Randy and she actually went to A&M and we're super close now. And she was like, I have to go back to Texas. I can't do this for 18 days. Like just like sobbing. And then he did it for maybe one more day and that was it. But a lot of people left the team after that and was like, no, I can't do this anymore. And he was like, well, I weeded out the week. So I guess it worked. And just, I remember from then on at like our 4.45 a.m. practices, we just did 60 100s on 120 long course. And like every time you woke up at four, you just knew you were doing that. And I was, I think I was like 13, maybe, I, I don't know. And I just remember putting on my snorkel and just like for the hour and a half, just going like that was, that was it. So that one definitely stands out. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> um man what an experience yeah uh, so so what uh i guess when, so when you're swimming then you know i think i think a lot of kids have a lot of different answers but what did you like about swimming you know because I, certainly to an outsider to a non-swimmer it's like that doesn't sound enjoyable and maybe <laughs> to some swimmers it's not but i think a lot of swimmers would like under younger swimmers understand yeah. that like that's what swimming is a lot of the time mm -hmm. um so you know when you were that age and with him what did you enjoy about that uh I think for me when I was younger especially I to be able to do certain sets like achieve them and finish them was something that I was like super proud of and I think now that I'm older like if you give me a crazy set like back then I'm like okay what's the purpose of this like I'm older now. I don't need to be just like grinding out meters and I need to be more specific. But then it was kind of like, if I can like do this, like that's such an achievement. And so I think I got a lot of joy from that kind of aspect. And for him, I think I swam with him for, I guess, seven, eight years. And I think I got like good job, like two or three times and a hug like twice. And I like, and that, that didn't even, like, now I'm like, oh, my God, he always did a good job, like, a couple times. But, like, to get those, I was like, I did something super well. And, like, I think the first time he hugged me was when I made, like, my first senior national team. And then, obviously, like, the Olympics, he was super excited, too. But um, those kind of things, like, just, like, making him proud was definitely a big thing for me. Just because I think it didn't come very lightly. And so to know when you did was very, very grateful for those opportunities yeah did you have um older kids to look up to in your group or that you trained with that uh yeah actually in I was in middle school and so how it was in Florida was middle school would get out a lot later um mm -hmm. and so I at that point Randy had already talked to my mom and was like oh you're from Canada so she should get her citizenship so she can swim for them and he was the person that kind of led me in that direction I think when I was 11, I got my citizenship and kind of from then, okay. I think my first team was 2012, I guess my first, yeah, my first junior team. But anyway, that whole process was a hundred percent because of him. But 
Um, like when I was in middle school, he was like, I, she's good enough where I want her to swim with the high school kids. And so their group started at three, but my school got out at four. And so I started to do online virtual school where I would do half the days in school and then I would get out around 11 and then do some classes online. And, um, that was, it, it was hard for my mom because I think a lot of kids have gone towards that. And my mom never wanted to take the social aspect of school away. And she never wanted me to be strictly homeschooled, but it was a really good opportunity to kind of do a bit of both and still please both ways. And I, and I wanted to do it hundred percent because I wanted to swim with older kids. And even, um, my Randy always pushed me to be with the older kids. And so even when I think junior Olympics, you you're done when you're 14 and I was going to senior champ since I was 12. And that was just, I would do kind of both. And then even, I remember when I was 14, he was like, why are you going to go to junior Olympics? Like, there's no point. He's like, you're going to be way better at senior champs. Like, and he, he looked as racing older people and getting third a hundred percent better than getting first with younger kids because he's like, they're going to push you. And so in, um, I swam at the high schoolers even when I was in middle school. And then I've done those kind of meets since I was younger. And it's really pushed me to, um, get a lot more experience. So even coming into, I think it was Olympics, like it was my first Olympics in 2016, but I've been on national teams and junior national teams for almost four years. And he's kind of instilled that some from when I was super young to always push myself to be with older kids. And in the end of the day, when it comes to now where I am, age has no, has no reason. It doesn't matter what age you are. You're just racing to race and trying to be the best. And so he kind of put that in me from when I was super young. Yeah. So uh, when you were going for your first Olympic team, were you still in high school or were you at A&M at that point? It was my first year in school. Okay. Yeah. Did you feel pretty confident with like that that transition would, you know, that's a big change Mm -hmm. um, going to college. Uh, Did you feel pretty confident in that transition heading into your first Olympic year? Yeah, I think um, going into it, I I think when I was that young, it didn't really – Uh, I think the thing is for a lot of foreigners, you kind of are like, Oh, like NCAA. But since growing up in Florida, I've always been like very much like you finish school, you go to NCAA. That was kind of, that was always been what I was going to do. And so I remember actually the summer, the July 1st or whenever you could be recruited. um, I was out of the country. I left like June 29th and I had no phone, no nothing. And I was like, great. (laughs) This recruiting process is going to go wonderful. (laughs) And so when it all happened is um, I, I got a few calls and things like that. And one, an A&M was not on the radar, like a hundred percent. And I, I got back, I think in mid August and my best friend had already taken her trip to Auburn already committed. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm so behind. And so I was like, Randy, like we need to talk about this. Like, what am I going to do? And I kind of gave him a list of schools and he was like, why is A&M not on your list? And I was like, oh, well, I mean, that would be super cool, but I, I haven't, they haven't reached out to me or anything. And he was like, hold on. I was like, okay. He's like, go do warm up." And I was like, okay. And so I did our 600 warm up, and I got back and he was like, Steve's going to call you tonight. I was like, oh my God, like what the heck? <laughs> And so I, I remember I was sitting outside the dollar store. I went to the dollar store. I was in the parking lot and Steve called me and I was like, it's Steve Bolton. And I was so excited. And he was like, Hey, do you want to take a trip? Like, um, we'd love to have you and come and 
I think it was like a week's time or a week and a half. And so then I went on the recruiting trip and I committed the next Monday. And so my recruiting is super different. And um, I think when um, Randy was so confident in it, I, I became pretty confident in it. And yes, it was the year before the Olympics, but um, the fact that he was so trustworthy and he, uh, with hands down, he was like, Steve's the best coach in the NCAA. He's like, I, I wouldn't want you to swim for anybody else. And that's what I want you to swim for. And it worked out. And so I was like, okay. So that gave me all the confidence going into Olympic year. Nice. Uh, so yeah. So take us through, you know, you, you go through your first year and, you know, especially for, I, I guess for a lot of countries, but you know, Canadian trials are always right after NCAAs, right? Mm-hmm. What was that process like of, I'm, I'm guessing having such a big experience at a first NCAAs and then having to go and try to compete yeah. for, you know, your first spot on an Olympic team. Yeah. Um, I, when I was a freshman, I was definitely very different and I was very open with Steve about being, I was like, I'm a hundred percent committed to the team. Like I want to do well, but my priority is the Olympics. And Steve was like, I totally get it. Like I, I understand completely. And he was um, very understanding. He's like, I can make this work for you. And a lot of people that I've spoken to and we've had a couple of people that I've transferred and um, different opinions of different schools and not as many coaches would be that understanding when I essentially was like, your, your job is not my priority. And even though I was a hundred percent committed, wanted to do as best as I could for the team, he knew where my uh, motives were. And so um, I was very open with that, that whole entire year. And he's like, I was like, I want to swim as much long course as I can. And um, he had always accepted that. And we even um, this past year, like our, during Christmas training, we do as much long course as we can. And as soon as NCAA is done, we're long course from straight on out. And so um, he being having that going into trials gave me more confidence and um, it ended up working out okay. <laughs> yeah. Were there others on the team with similar priorities at the time? Uh, yeah. So we had um, a couple, we had a pro group at the time then too. Um, we even had one of the girls from South Africa, she even redshirted that year and just stayed in College Station to train. So I wasn't the only one gunning for it, and which definitely helped. And uh, me and I think Beryl were the two that did qualify, but there was probably five or six that were in the same boat trying to qualify for the Olympics. And so we definitely had that backbone together. Yeah. All right, so you make your first Olympic team in the 2 a.m or the first one i made was the 4 a.m and then a couple days later was the 2 a.m okay uh so what was that what was the first olympics like first olympics it's really crazy because i get this question a lot and i don't really remember like everything like mm-hmm. I, I it was so stressful <laughs> so uh, i really don't remember like a whole lot of it um I remember the training camp because we uh did our training camp in Toronto so it was super familiar we got all the same facilities that it was where trials was it's where we've swam Pan Am's the year before and so it was really nice to be there um 
my favorite thing I think like in training camp was we got our rings so swimming Canada always gives us like our rings mm-hmm. and so I and so many swimmers are always like I love your guys's rings and it's something that we've always done and you've always seen so at the time um my closest person on the team was always Hillary Caldwell and so I'd been close with her since I I guess 2014 and so she always had her ring and I was like I love your ring and so the day when we finally like all had our ceremonies like all get our rings that was super exciting at training camp and then um we headed into Rio I think we got there a day or two earlier than a couple of teams um and uh the village it wasn't my first village scenario which i was really thankful for because that stress was kind of taken off um i'd gone to commonwealth in 2014 which is the same village obviously not to the same scale but um it it kind of gave me that i knew what i was getting myself into and um so then we went into the village and my first race was the 4am and i was not super happy with it but at that time i didn't really focus too much at the 4 a.m. Um, me, we have a very like love hate relationship. Uh, I would at times at probably more times I'd like to retire it than other times. Uh, there's definitely more of those moments, but I know it's what I'm good at and I kind of have to suck it up and do it. And so, uh, then the 2 a.m. was later on in the meet and my roommate at the time was actually Kylie, uh, Moss. And so who's one of my best friends now, but I remember her getting her bronze medal and I was like, Oh my God. Like she, I think I raced the next day or something and she got back like super late after media. And I was like, congratulations, like whispering. So no one heard, but I was like so pumped for her. And so those moments stuck out when Hillary also got her medal also stuck out. I mean, Penny swim, obviously. And just, we had such momentum through that Olympics that I don't think swimming Canada has had in a, previous from a while back and so um then those I honestly remember those swims more than my own and uh being able to make a final was really cool um to be able to go to a prelim semis and a final in my first olympics at the time I wasn't super happy um you can ask Steve how angry I was but um looking back on it now to do that in your first olympics is not an easy thing to come by and so I'm super proud of it now that I've had a little time to reflect (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly. Uh, I want to ask about one particular thing. So I, uh, the vill- a, a village scenario, you know, it's mm-hmm. like that's something that as an outsider, uh, people I'm guessing just don't realize how distracting that could be, how disorienting that could be. Could you speak maybe, maybe the 2014 Commonwealth experience, you know, I, I'm, you were seven, 17? Uh, 2014. Okay. I'm 23 and it's 2020. So yeah, 17. Right. I don't want to get this math wrong. It's super embarrassing. You, uh, you know, you were fairly young in Mm -hmm. in that. How, how much of a, an eye opener was being in a village scenario, you know, compared to maybe another championship meet that's just, you go to your hotel, you go to the pool. That's yeah. Um, I think, I mean, the biggest thing is dining hall. So when you're going into a village or when you're going into a hotel with your team, you, in previous, we've had a nutritionist kind of come with us to our staging camps, things like that. And so they control our menu. And when you're traveling to different countries, 
you usually never know what you're going to get. And so having a nutritionist there, you can kind of control that to some extent, like, okay, I want meat and vegetable, like that kind of thing. And so, mm-hmm. um, and I think probably a lot of swimmers have heard this is don't eat your way out of a taper. And so you have <laughs> to kind of cut back a lot of your portions, which I've had to learn through quarantine about cutting back on portions. And it is not easy, but anyway, and so going into that kind of is definitely difficult, um, especially in foreign countries. And uh, you have to figure out ways to get the nutrition that you need. And it's probably going to be different and you have to be adaptable. And that's not a lot of people, when it's your first time, it's not easy to come by. And so having that experience in the Olympics was truly, truly helpful for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's like the most like high school thing. Like I never wanted to go to a dining hall by myself. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, where am I going to sit? And like, that is seriously so stressful. And so when I, in 2014, I never, ever went to the dining hall by myself. Even in 2016, I don't think I went to the dining hall by myself. So I was like, who am I going to sit with? And it's still like high school. Even at ISL. Yeah. It's like, where am I supposed to go? Like, I don't know. And ISL, I was, I knew one person on my team going into it. And so it's like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? So that, and as stupid as it sounds, it's another stressor to add. Because then you're like, but I want to eat at this time. And so you have to like, if no one wants to eat and that's the time you need to eat for yourself for swimming, like you got to go by yourself and you have to suck it up and try to talk to someone. And hopefully they speak the same language because it couldn't happen that they don't. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, and then there's, I think in Rio, there was these bikes or scoop, I think it was bikes, like little bike things that to ride around the village. And sometimes people are like, or coaches are like, use these so you save your legs. But also if you're like me and you're super accident prone, probably don't use a bike because you could fall. And so um, that, and then there's usually like a game room and there's, and then it's taking a, a bus with every team on it to go to the uh, venue at your time. And at, in Rio, there's different venues. Are you going to this venue? Are you going to that? And so that kind of aspect, it's just a lot more planning that you have to do and making sure you time things out of what you're, uh, where you're going to go, make sure you're communicating with your coach. And at that point, like you're, you, you are on your own a lot of it. And so you kind of have to figure out what works best for you. And so um, that uh, being adaptable in that sense is huge. And I, I know a lot of people that don't know how to be adaptable and you have to learn. And so being able to have that experience going to 2016 was very nice. Not having to learn it five days before the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm sure that <laughs> I, I didn't even, I didn't realize it was that much that, you know, that's, that's a lot to manage. Mm-hmm. And then you have to swim. Yeah. And you're expected to swim really, really well. Yeah. It's, In that's, front of that's, literally the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's wild. Um, yeah. So then so in 2017, you, uh, how are you feeling coming off of that Olympic experience heading into those world championships? Um, I was excited, I think, to be another year in the same training program, to have that under my belt. Definitely that uh, going into Steve's, so Steve's practices are very um, scheduled, I guess I'd say. Like we do a lot of similar sets and rotate through them. And so I know what to expect. And so 
having that one year and then going into next year and just being able to build was huge for me going into 2017. Um, going into Worlds, I, I, I was really excited. I, I loved our training camp. And to this day, if anyone from Swimming Canada is watching, I would like to go back to Italy for training camp, please, because Rome is very nice and very sunny and an outdoor <laughs> pool. But anyway, uh, and so it was – I had, I think, one of the best uh, – training camps taper camps leading up to it and I was really excited um it was my first time in Budapest and hands down one of the best places to visit I love Budapest um so yeah I, I was had a lot of confidence going into 2017 uh and so then can you take us through that meet um because I'm guessing it was a pretty big low and a pretty big high <laughs> so big old roller coaster <laughs> yeah um, so yeah, I, I think, so for me, the 2IM is my baby. I love the 2IM. Um, I like to say it's my best event because I don't like the 4IM that much. <laughs> and so, um, going into it, I had so much confidence in the 2IM and then going into the final and on the fly leg, I just, I choked on water. I think any swimmer can know exactly what it's like during a practice to like have it happen. And then I just panicked and I have yeah. a history with depression and panic attacks and it just built and built and built and I just got out and I just, I went into a corner. My, my manager, Jan, who is one of the best people on this planet was like, what do you need? I, I'm here. It's okay. And I was like, I want to swim again. I, my first words out of my mouth was I, I need to redo it. Like I, I just want to swim it again. Like, and she was like, okay, well, I mean now obviously that's not possible, but I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, like freaking out, like what just happened? But like there, there was nothing else I could have done. And at the time I just was kind of, I, I went into the locker room and I just was like, I was crying. I was like, what did I just do? Like I messed up. And, uh, but then I called Randy actually. And I was like, I, I don't like, and I just explained to him and he's like, can you breathe through water? And I was like, really randy you're gonna make it like that right now like just like so cut and dry and i was like no and he was like so you couldn't have done anything i was like i mean yeah you're right and he was like okay then you move on and i was like okay like i guess <laughs> and like that i mean that's what i was just like oh my god oh my god and i just needed someone to say it's so cut and dry and i was like okay and so, so kind of from then yeah cut in for a second yeah for sure so, so I'm someone who, uh, you know, I swam butterfly in high school and mm -hmm. that would happen to me all the time in practice. Uh, yeah. and it was, I mean, it was, it would be on like some of the best workouts, you know, it's like, this is, this is what the set builds up to. And like, this is the swim you're going. And it was devastating every time because you were ready, you were primed mm -hmm. and in the moment. And it's like, you can't breathe. So yeah. did, is that something you had ever gone through? Like, had you ever choked on water before? In, yeah, in just practice? like, I mean, I, uh, that, like, that's what I mean. My most summers will know, like, exactly yeah. what it feels like. And you just, like, you just basically, you stop in the middle. Like, in practice, you can stop on lane rope, cough right. a little, and keep going. But yeah. obviously, in the world final, you can't really do that. <laughs> yeah. And, at, like, yeah. and, and that's the thing is, I mean – even when like, I think when it comes to big meets and like you get DQ'd for something so little, like mm -hmm. it does, it really does happen sometimes. And like it, it was just a freak fluke of a thing that just like happened and it could have happened 
It could have happened at NCAAs. It could have happened at a sectionals meet. It could have happened anywhere. And obviously to have it at the biggest stage of that swimming at, in the year is not ideal. And that's why it was kind of like, oh my God. But it, it just happened. And so basically when it happened, um, my whole team was like, what do we say to her? Like, and at that point I had been on the team for a little bit and I remember getting to dinner and I think like Rich Funk was there. Like, I can't remember who else is there. And I was like, you guys can talk to me. Like I'm okay. <laughs> and they all just like had no idea what to say. They didn't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah. So they all were just like, uh, and I was like, we can talk, like, it's fine. Like it happens. And so, and that was like a big thing for me. And so, and uh, Hill was my roommate at the time. And she was like, dude, this is a long meet. And I was like, yeah, like I have to swim again in six days. Cause that's the IM schedules day one, day eight. And it's the worst schedule. And I will say it till then that it's a worst schedule for worlds for IMers. But um, I, I just had to, it's a long meet. And so the next day my coach Ryan was like, Hey, um, so sleep in as long as you want. If you wake up early, I'll be at the pool. And I was like, okay. And so I just woke up the next day, took the shuttle. I think I was by myself. I just, I was very, very to myself and just kind of like head in the zone, like not really wanting to talk about it. Cause it like, I, I I felt like I let a lot of people down. I thought I let my coach down. I let myself down. I let Canada down. And so I just kind of, I was like, if someone talks to me about this, I'm going to crack and I'm going to cry and I don't want to cry. So I was like, let's just keep moving forward. And uh, we went over into the comp pool uh, in the lane. I think I want to say I was lane six or five or six. And he was like, get in this lane and swim butterfly. And it was during like a meat warm up. And so, and any swimmer knows during a meat warm up how, how, how much easier it is to choke on water. And so he's like, just swim butterfly. And I was like, okay. And I just swam butterfly for the next six days during warm up. I made sure I swam a couple hundreds butterfly. And he was like, I hope you choke. <laughs> like essentially just get it out of your head. Like, and so, um, the next like five days were brutal. They were long, they were exhausting. And I just tried to, kind of move my swimming into other people's swimming and get super excited for other people doing well. And I mean, Kylie, still one of my best friends, breaks a freaking world record. So I'm like, well, this helps. This helps me get <laughs> my head out of this. Yeah. And so um, there's a lot of different things that I just tried to do. And then going into the 4am, I, I just remember talking to my coach. I'm like, I'm not prepared for the 4am. Like, I was so excited for the 4am and like, I was so confident or the 2am and I was so confident in that. And so he was like, Sydney, I've seen you in this taper camp and um, Ryan uh, Millette has always been my coach through all of the summers. And he's like, I've seen you in so many camps. And he's like, I've seen you do, we always do a 10 day out set of a 4am kind of broken. And he's like, I've never seen you swim so well in that set. And I was like, I'm not ready. And he was like, you're ready. I promise. And I was like, okay. And I was so scared for that 4am. And in the middle of the first hundred of the fly, I definitely started to panic. And I was like, just breathe, just breathe, just breathe. And then um, a lot of it, how I got through it was I, I just minimized the race into Belmonte was next to me. And I was like, I don't care about anybody else in this pool except me and Belmonte. And so I was like, just race her. That's it. Whatever happens, happens. And then I went a six second PB and I got a medal and I was 
so emotional after that race. I've never been so emotional after like a swim. And actually, um, I, I remember going through the press and we had a lot of Aggie swimmers there. And uh, I think it was, so my friend Turker who swam for Turkey and he was there. And then it's actually, which is super, I just realized this. Um, now my friend forever, but now my boyfriend was there and was like, you did it. And I just like fell into them and just like started crying. I was like, that was so stressful. <laughs> and so, and, and it was really cool to like have that support from a lot of people that was like, you did it. Like you, and the time was amazing. That was what I was mostly happy about. Like the medal was obviously cool, but like just to like kind of check that box of like, you did it was just, I was like, well, this week is exhausting. <laughs> it was probably like the longest eight days. Yeah. Uh, I mean, especially, you know, it's one thing to have a bad swim at a meet and then come back the next day and try to try to have a good swim, you know, yeah. but to, to have to wait six days, uh, yeah. nearly a week before mm -hmm. you get another chance to do something like that. And then, you know, especially you said you have a history of anxiety and depression and, um, I mean, you know, I personally, I've been experiencing moments of panic throughout these last couple of months of just like, there's so much uncertainty and so much mm -hmm. unknown. Um, and that can, I mean, when you get into a state of panic, that can become exceedingly overwhelming. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what it is. Um, I, and, and you did touch on it, but you know, do, do you have, anything to attribute it to of how you were able to not make those six days overwhelming? Um, I think uh, it's hard because I think I've tried to block a lot of that out, but That's I think really, yeah, I think, but um, as I've gone through NCAA and through that and now to ISL, like being engulfed in your team and really putting that focus out of you and um, has really done a lot for me. I think um, I, even at school, like if no matter, like I think A&M had always done such a good job of getting excited for other people. And I, I never really knew what that was like until going to school. And so in 2017, when I was already in school, like I tried to take that into the national level where obviously these aren't people you're with every day and you don't see the hard work that they do every day like you do in school, but really just trying to be so excited and get into other people's swims is kind of, I think what I tried to do the most. And, um, just, to, it just gets me out of my head for a minute and it's like, Oh my God, like she did so well, or he did so well. Like we got that, like we did this metal, like that kind of attitude has really opened up um, a way of kind of getting my mind, getting myself out of my head. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of that, um, you know, you, you mentioned your priority was the Olympic team was mm -hmm. making an Olympics, um, your first year as an Aggie. So since then, you know, kind of moving into 17, 18, 19, did, did those priorities kind of shift and did you, hundred percent, you know, you said you, you would give everything to the team, but did you start, you know, giving even more to the, to yeah. the team after that? 
For sure. I, like I, I came from a team where it was basically me and one other girl um, in club. And so um, coming into A&M, <coughs> it was just, it was, the team atmosphere was huge. And I don't think I really embraced it my freshman year as much as I could have just because of where my head was at. But um, going like we won SECs my freshman year. And so just I think going into that next year, we were like, let's do it again. And like back to back and then three, three times and then four times. And so, I mean, it's pretty easy to get uh, super excited about a team when it's in that kind of state. But um, I really got invested in how other people trained. And I, and I think because I was, I'm a swimmer that I do get in my own head a lot. And so just really thinking about how people are doing um, in practices and just like focusing on them to some extent helped me get out of my own head. And so going into school, I mean, you, you're not going to find a better group of girls, really. I, I, I mean, obviously, I'm very, very biased, but um, they work insanely hard. And coming from a team where I didn't really have, I had my best friend at the time, she was swimming, but we didn't swim the same things. And so going to an all-girls team, I was like, uh-oh. But it they work so incredibly hard and everyone pushes each other and people have certain sets that they do so well. And so, uh, just kind of really embracing their hard work and seeing it pay off. It, it I think is better than my own swims a hundred percent. Yeah. Which, you know, you say you can get into your own head a lot, which, you know, it, it, again, it, it's kind of a, a, it's a very humbling experience realizing how human we all are. Mm -hmm. um, but when I walk onto deck at AM, you stand out as someone who is so social, so about everyone else. Uh, you know, you're always talking with your teammates. You're always encouraging everyone else. Um, to, from, from my perspective, it seems like, you know, you, you were such a leader on that team um, that that's so cool to hear that at that evolution of, of the buy-in of the team. Um, but also, you know, I know it's a women's only team, but the women's team and the men's team have a very special bond at a and mm -hmm. Can you touch on yeah. that? Yeah, I think, um, like we definitely have our separate training programs and separate styles of training, but, um, in the end, especially with how well the guys were doing the past year and the year before, just, on the rise. And I think it was really cool coming in my freshman year. Um, I don't think the seniors or the older people at the time, the investment wasn't exactly the same because we kind of were on different pages and just to see the guys and the girls get on the same page. And I mean, the guys did phenomenal this past year and it, it, it's kind of the same where you get excited for them. And I think a big turning point was for me when we were all at home at my junior year SECs. Mm -hmm. And so like we were both in our home pools and just all just trying to do our best. And the guys were doing so well, I'm pretty sure they got second and we won that year. And just that, I mean, that's by far my favorite memories of that, of my whole entire college was that SECs. And, um, it, and we really do encourage one another. Like we bicker like brothers and sisters for sure. Um, but we really do in the end of the day, like, we all want to represent A&M so well and we really buy into each other's swimming so we can all do that together, even though we are separate. And I mean, I 
I'm so thankful for the relationships that I have with a lot of the guys and um, guys that have graduated, the ones that are still here. And um, even now, like there's so many of us that are pros and we might not train together, but we still will, especially during quarantine, we've definitely kind of come together in a lot of a sense because a lot of people, their dreams got put on hold. And um, there was a bunch of guys and girls that this was going to be their last summer swimming. And for me, I, I plan to keep going. And so from, I'm like, okay, like, yeah, this sucks, but like, I'm going to get through it and I'm going to keep going. But people had jobs lined up. People had a life that was going to change come August when the Olympics were done or they were going to go to their meet and they could have been retired in May. And so um, we've all really gotten really close, I think, because it's, as much as we know people's goals, when you vocalize them in the sense that we have kind of had to because of quarantine, um, we just kind of buy into that even more and more. And so our pro group, I think there's probably 10 of us, I think, uh, might be wrong, but um, we all just have tried to do different things to and remind people of their goals and um, have that relationship and that bond. And so I'm definitely thankful for them, especially during this time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so speaking of, of going pro, um, let's go to 2019, you know, you, you finish your NCAA career uh, mm-hmm. and then you go to world championships. And what was that, um, I guess, spring summer, like kind of leading into that world championships, knowing that you were now a pro? Um, I think so my last NCAAs, I was definitely not happy with it. I was not pleased with how I did. Um, like I'll be a hundred percent honest and vulnerable to this point is I wanted to win an NCAA title and I had, I never did. And that, and that's something that I, I can't achieve anymore, which it, which was hard. And I, I always want to try and achieve my goals and I know I did my best and, um, I have to be okay with it, but, but it stung like a lot. (laughs) And, um, I think, I don't remember what it was some article and it was like one of the best NCAA swimmers to never win a national title. And I was like, Oh God, it hurts so bad to hear in writing. But so finishing that, I was like, that that's a chapter that I have to close. And I was so not happy with it, but I was like, I, I have no other choice. Like I have to move on. I have to make new goals. And so, um, I was excited to go pro and I think it was, the Monday after NCAAs, um, Rob Woodhouse, our um, manager from ISL, gave me a call and explained ISL. I was like, I have no idea what any of this stuff means. And he was like, so there will be like Kyle Chalmers, Kate Campbell, Emma McKeon, Adam P. Like listing all these names. And I was like, and you want me? Like, what are you talking about? Like, you are crazy. But I was like, sign me up. I, he was like, here's this, how much, and I was like, I don't care how much money I'm not making <laughs> money. I was like, I hadn't been making any money. And I was like, you want me to be a part of that team? Okay. Yes. That's, that's all I need. And so I think right after and I, like when everything stung so much to get that call from Rob, I was like, okay, like I actually can be pro. Like I can make like a life out of this. Like, this is what I want to do. And to have that, um, I don't think Rob knows how much that meant, but now he'll know. Um, but, and then going into trials, um, I definitely had a lot of goals going into it because 2018 was okay. Uh, I was okay with Panpax. I had mono that year going into it. I didn't really have any 
certain like specific goals in mind because of that. And so, uh, in 2019, I had a lot of goals that I wanted to achieve and, um, and after the NCAAs, I was like, I want to achieve them. <laughs> and so, uh, I, I was happy. I mean, I ended up the year I had a best time, um, going into worlds, um, to be, and again, like Kylie and I, we both tied for, I guess the most like decorated, uh, Canadian, swimmers or women swimmers I don't know for medals at world championships and so like it was super cool to just go into it and just have some goals and to kind of see some I guess I wouldn't say I was fully happy with it but um to see that kind of result was pretty good going into that year yeah did did you expect your your 200 breast to be where it was um, I think, yeah, I, it, I think it surprised a lot of people and for me and Steve and Tanika and people that have been around me, um, I've always swam the 200 breast when it comes to NCAA, I've just never really had the time to do it out of worlds. And so, uh, in 2017 at our trials, I actually got DQ'd in the morning. So I wanted to swim it then. And then, um, I mean, it is what it is. It, it, it ended up working out great because, um, one of my teammates, Ashley McGregor, got on the team. She ended up being the second spot for the Tuna Breast. And I was like, sold. That's all I need. I don't need to submit. Like, she got on the team. That's so sweet. So, yeah. um, going into 2019, I was really excited to be able to actually submit at a World Championships. Um, and it, it, it wasn't perfect. It, I don't think it is as good as I wanted it to be. But to be able to add a third event and get on the podium was an accomplishment in itself for me. And so... I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so then, yeah, let's talk ISL. You got the call. You all right? I'm a pro now. And then tell me <laughs> about your experience um, in the season as it unfolded. Um, ISL is phenomenal. Uh, I think it's really changing the how swimming is and creating careers for swimmers, um, which is why uh, another reason why I love it so much. But um, later on, I remember Rob gave me a call and he's like, so like you were a captain at, um, and and I was like, yeah, I was my senior year. And he was like, well, would you want to be a captain on London roar? And I was like, are you a wacko? Like, <laughs> I was like, these people are like Olympic gold medalists and world record holders. And I was like, what? And this, I think this was before worlds even. And I was like, I have one medal out of worlds like that in a bronze. I was like, what? like, I'm so irrelevant compared to them. And he was like, no, like your experience, like no one has that here. Like we would love for you to do it. And I was like, I mean, I'd love to if you really want me to. And so then he texted me and he was like, so you and um, Kyle Chalmers are going to be the captains of the first meet in Dallas. I was like, Kyle Chalmers. <laughs> he won at the Olympics like I was like you're crazy and it's so funny because Kyle is one of my best friends now like we've just um we've clicked 100% I remember him texting me I was like oh my god Kyle Chalmers is texting me like this is wild and so going into and like we said with the dining hall and stuff and I um went into like the first room and Kyle's there's like hey how's it going and we had texted a couple times of like what to do on the first meet I was like hi how are you like just like oh my god I don't know anyone like it was super scary and so then um after 
the first kind of stages of ISL, it was just like our team seriously clicked. And it was, and I know a lot of teams like have their like good environment with one another, but um, so it was, but I, I really, I will say this and I'll be biased. And I think we really clicked more than a lot of other teams. And we just are so family oriented and um, going from Dallas and going into Budapest, just so close. And I've met so many good friends through it all. And it, it's crazy because after Vegas, I ended up going to Australia for a little while and I visited uh, Jess Hansen, Emma McKeon, Kyle Chalmers, like all of those. I, I met them through ISO. I met them like two months prior. And then I was like, I'm just going to go to Australia for a little while and just like visit. And that, and it was so fun. And I'm so thankful for all those friendships that I made. But importantly, it was just, it, it was so fun racing with everyone. And I loved it. And I hope uh, this year we get to do it in to some extent. I know it's definitely going to be altered, but um, I'm excited. I miss the roar. I miss being with all of them. And I hope that it can happen next year, but, or this year, but we'll see. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, what, can you tell me what, what your responsibilities were as a, as an ISL team captain? What did that look like? Um, so Kyle and I like to say we are undefeated because we won the first match, but, uh, going into it, we kind of, we were the first match. So at that time, like not really, I mean, we had a lot of Aussies, so they all uh, knew each other and a couple people from different countries that knew each other, but we didn't all know each other. So our biggest thing was kind of just, um, making sure to introduce each other and like talk and, we were from, I think we had 10 different countries on our team, which just, um, well, hold on, I think, okay. And so we all just, and a lot of people don't speak, English. everyone, mostly everyone spoke English, but um, it's definitely not everyone's first language. And so we just like created this, um, like an icebreaker type of thing to like have everyone get to know each other and kind of just we had one of our coaches um have a big chant for us and like create cheers just like goofing around and um then i mean kyle's a stud always doing the skins and doing that kind of thing and i basically was like whatever you need me to swim i can swim and dallas match was the hardest match like i like i do not like dual meets i'm so glad i don't have to do them again when it comes to NCAA, like mm -hmm. ISL is very different. But the first day I had the 4 a.m., 10 minutes later, I had the 400 free relay. 15 minutes later, I had a 200 back. And then uh, 30 minutes later, I had a 200 breast in a span of like an hour and a half. But I was like, I'll do it. Oh, wow. I was like, I'll do it for the team. I <laughs> might die, but I'll do it. <laughs> but I was like, I'm the captain. I have to do this. Like, I don't want them to think I'm weak. Like, I just need to do it. <laughs> Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm swimming a 200 backstroke next to Minna, who just like casually almost breaks the world record every time she swims it and then breaks the world record in Budapest. But I was like, oh my God. I was like, but I'll try. <laughs> um, so I think just like showing everyone, like just buy into the team atmosphere was our biggest thing in our first match. And then mm -hmm. we all got to go to a Dallas Cowboys game. Uh, we organized that for everyone to do after, which was so funny because I'm a huge football fan, not a Cowboys fan, but I'm a huge football fan. And all of them had, like, had never seen NFL before. 
And so they were like, what's a touchdown? I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so it was really fun to do that. And especially leading into Budapest, like we just already from the first week had such a good chemistry. And I like to say, hopefully Kyle and I helped that happen. I don't know if it did or if it just worked out that way, but um, yeah, that was the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, on that same trip, the Dallas to Budapest trip, I was, I was with the New York breakers and I also, uh, met some Australians who really sold me on visiting Australia. Uh, so you visited there. Uh, tell me about your travels. Did you train there? What did you see? (laughs) What were your highlights? So for Christmas, actually, one of my best friends um, from high school, uh, we swam together in high school, but not really like club or anything. Uh, I knew her more through school. She is being an au pair there. So she's been nannying for a family for a year. And so I was like, I'm just going to come and see you. And she was like, no way. Like, and she was like, you, you are probably my most busy friend. Like, she's like, you are always busy and you're going to come to Australia. I was like, yeah, I'll come for Christmas. And so I got to spend Christmas with her and her au pair family, which was amazing. And so we were in, we were kind of in North Sydney. So more the beaches, which is just to die for. It's so, it's just really relaxing beaches all along. And, um, so I was there for, I think a week or so. And then after that, I flew to Melbourne to, um, and I know the Aussies are going to make fun of me the way I just said Melbourne, but, um, and I went to go visit Jess Hansen, who another breaststroker on London Roar. And so I went to visit her for New Year's and trained with her a bit and um, was just kind of visiting her. And then I flew to Adelaide to visit Kyle and stayed with him for a little while and trained with him. And Bishy was a coach on London Roar. So it was really fun to be able to, be back with Vichy for a bit and uh, just hang out with Kyle. And then from there, I went to the Gold Coast and visited Emma McKeon. And um, I trained with Bully for a bit. And then from there, I went to the FINA series in China. And so I had, uh, I went to, where did I go first? Um, Shenzhen. And then I went to, or was it Shenzhen first? I don't even know. But then I went to China for the two stops for the FINA series. And then I went home. So I was, I think, away for over a month. But it was amazing. Uh, Just, it's something that I never thought I'd have the opportunity to do. And ISL brought that opportunity to me and just being able to train. And I remember talking to Mel and she, I was like, hey, if I ever, she's like, if you come to London, come train, like just just things. Actually, I, I forgot. I When I was in the Gold Coast, Mel was actually down there and Petey was down there and Sarah Basie was down there. And so I went and swam with them like one afternoon. And so literally like, and then I think it was, we went out to dinner. It was like Elijah, Emma, Petey, me, Cam, uh, Sarah. And like, we all had dinner in the Gold Coast, like six people from London or just like all on the Gold Coast, like having dinner. Like, from Canada, England, and Australia. Like, it's just, that was never a thing in swimming. Like, it was, it would never have come, like, that opportunity. And so, it, it's so cool that ISL was able to bring those opportunities. Dude, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, on that trip, what were, you know, a couple of the non-swimming highlights besides your six-person international dinner? <laughs> um, I think a 
I, I mean, I love North Sydney, like the beaches. Also, I was on like Christmas vacation then, so I wasn't swimming. So it might have been more pleasurable that way. But um, just going to the beach is like my favorite thing. And so just I would go in gold, down in the Gold Coast and I would go out for brunch and stuff and then just go to the beach and read. And I was like, this is the life. And so uh, I've already, I've been to Sydney once before. And so I didn't really go into the city much just because it was around Christmas. And, um, but I mean, there wasn't a moment of any place that like, I didn't like, like I loved every, they were all different and I loved every part of it. And if you, there's no way you should ever go through your life without going to Australia. Uh, yeah, I'm I, like I said, I'm already sold on it. We're planning <laughs> a trip. I'm I'm ready. Yeah. Uh, so now to you know to today. Um mm-hmm. how do you, you you've talked a little bit about your quarantine situation. What what's swimming looking like kind of moving forward? What's emotionally, mentally, what how how what are you thinking moving forward through this? Um swimming has been it it's been hard, I think kind of right now you just at first you were like let's do whatever we can to like stay in shape and now it's like oh my god like am I, do I have to keep going on runs like I can't run anymore like and so uh, it's been kind of up and down there's days where I'm just like I don't want to do anything but you have to and um and so finding different ways has been the biggest thing um I during quarantine I got my new puppy so we've been doing a lot of walks and a lot of exercise in that sense um, right now he is not ready. I tried to run with him twice this morning and, um, he is, I'll, I'll give you just a sneak peek. Oh. <laughs> He's not running. <laughs> no. So, um, when he doesn't want to exercise, uh, I mean, the fact that we have a big group of us has been definitely a big plus and there's been a couple like neighborhood pools, like, um, uh, old swimmer friend had a pool and so just to kind of touch the water being able to do that kind of thing um but right now it's kind of just I can't get hung up on the fact that there's so much uncertainty and like um like I said way back earlier was about being adaptable and so we have to adapt to this and everybody's going through it some people in different extents but I mean it's the same way when you're training like you're not training the same way as everyone all the time. And so those people that you're with, you just kind of have to do what you can to make yourself better. And whether it's maybe some of these people are like, good, like I needed this time out of the water. Or some people are like, oh, I'm dying to, I need to do whatever I can to get back in the water. And um, I think just making sure you do what's good for you. And for me, um, being able to just focus on myself and do different types of workouts has been really good. It's kind of getting tiring now and I, I'm ready to get back to it. And I think things are slowly going towards that. Um, but then again, if it doesn't happen anytime soon, like I have to adapt. And that's been the biggest thing is you have to do whatever makes you happy in whatever scenario you're put in. And so this scenario is obviously not ideal for anyone, but it is what it is. And so, um, I'm just going to do my best to keep a positive mindset through it all and not get hung up on the fact of like counting the days that I'm not swimming. Like, you know, I'm just going to be excited to get back to work when the time comes. But in the end, like your health and your safety is so much more important. And, um, 
I'm glad I'm where I am mentally with swimming when this happened, because I think if it was a couple years ago, I wouldn't have been as adaptable and I wouldn't have been okay um, doing different things. And so right now um, doing what I can to stay fit, doing different things, just having fun. I've been playing a lot of tennis. I'm not very good at it, but um, I can beat my boyfriend most times. So that has helped Um, going on walks um, just like, Sometimes we're like, let's just go walk for a couple hours. And I don't know where we're going. We're just doing just random things. And I've never had this much free time since I was like six years old, I feel like. But um, just doing what we can and it, it is what it is. Again, you just have to adapt to it and just keep a positive mindset because you can't, if you're negative, there's nothing you can do about it. The only thing that you can do is change your outlook. And so just trying to keep a positive mindset through it all. Yeah. Well, Sydney, thank you so much for your honesty, your vulnerability, mm-hmm. and your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Hey, do you love swim swim as much as I do? Do you want hours of endless practice footage, race video, and a guide to the best pancakeries in the country? Then subscribe to our YouTube channel below and follow us on social media at Swim Swam News on Twitter and Instagram. If we get a million followers, I might just eat a million pancakes. Only one way to find out.